So yeah, so like Jessica said, uh, for those of you that I haven't had a chance to meet, uh, maybe it's your first time at Emerge, uh, my name is not Pastor Wade. My name is Benjamin. And my wife, Catherine, and I have been serving here for a few years now. And um, I got to tell you, man, Emerge Church, serving at Emerge Church is such a gift. Y'all, this place, this place is, is truly a gift. And I just want to encourage you, if, if you want to experience blessing, if you're looking for blessing, I've got good news for you. You can be a blessing. If you, wanna, if you want to be a gift, you can give. If you want to have purpose, you're looking for purpose in your life, you want to experience purpose, get a, be a part of something that is bigger than you. And by building the church of God, you can experience something that there, there's, there's truly nothing else like it. There's nothing else like it on the planet Earth being a part of building God's church. And I'm just telling you right here, right now, there's good soil under your very feet right here, right now. You ain't got to go searching for it. There's good soil right here, and you reap what you sow. That's what Jesus said. He also said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Woo! How you doing? Happy Father's Day. All right, so I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm very excited to, to share the Word of God with you today. So I want to get right into it. Are you ready? If you're ready, say ready. James, chapter 2, 14 through 20. The Bible says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food, who has no clothing, and you say to them, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or any clothing. What good does that do? You see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces Good deeds. Say good deeds. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, some may argue, some people have faith. Others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. And you say that you have faith. For you believe. There is one God. Good for you. Good for you. Even the demons believe this. And they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit that leads us into all truth. Father, thank you for your church. We declare it to be your church. And Lord, I declare in this time, in this space, that it is holy, set apart for you, set apart for your glory, set apart for your name. God, I pray that right here, right now, you would give us the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation 
so that we may know you better. Come and have your way in this place today, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. All right, so check this out, guys. We are still, (laughs) we are still in a series that we are called Redefined. I'll be honest with you. I don't know what installment this is. I don't know what week we are in. Somebody in the back is waving a hand. They say it's five. It may be five. It may be six. I may do a few today. I don't know what what number we're going to be on by the time we get done, but we're going to get into it today. So we're in this series called Redefined. And the reason that we're in this series is because we're taking some intentional focus. We're taking some intentional time to look at and study and get familiar with foundational words, foundational topics, topics like church, like like Christian, words like truth and faith. And the reason that we're taking this time to be intentional to look at them and to study them is because there have been so many attempts to define these things, these words, and many others according to what culture says. But we, as the church, we are the bride. We are the body of Christ. We are here to redefine all these things according to God's word, according to the Bible. I got a question for you. Show of hands. How many of you know that you can't just believe everything you hear? You can't believe everything you hear. And I didn't know that all my life. I'll be honest with you. I've learned it over the past several years that you can't just take something you hear at face value. I'm not saying that you shouldn't believe. That's not what I'm saying. But when you hear something, don't just take it. Don't just just wholeheartedly believe at the first sign or the first word that you hear. I want to tell you to investigate it. Dig into it. See for yourself. Don't just take somebody's word for it. And hey, listen, that includes me. That includes what I'm talking to you about right now. I encourage you to see for yourself. Because when you search, when you dig, when you investigate, there are two things that happen. Number one is that lies or falsehoods, false truths, things that are not true, they will be unearthed. They'll be discovered. They'll be snuffed out. When you dig into something that is not valid, it cannot stand. The light will always drive out the darkness. So when you hear something, dig. Because number two, the second thing that may happen is the truth will only be further proven to be true. I want to encourage you to dig and see for yourself. But don't just take my word for it. See for yourself. So, real quick, recap. If you haven't been here for the past couple weeks, I know it's summertime. Some of you have been logging in on Eli. Y'all, say, say hello to our EFAM. Everybody sir, lo- logging in online. Somebody might be on a cruise ship right now, logging in from the far corners of the earth. So, recap. We're in, uh, we're in this, which, which Wade started out as, as just a sermon. And, and this little clock right here, and I can go ahead and tell you, I'm not paying attention to the clock today. There ain't but a few of us in the room today, and so the clock is not of any mind to me today. And, and Wade hadn't been paying it no mind either because he took what was one sermon, and it's turned into three weeks, and, and, and it, it may end today. I met with him this week, and he was like, hey, man, I'm going to be out of town. I need, you to, I need you to bring faith home. I need you to finish it up. And, and y'all, I'll be honest. When I sat down to prepare 
I was like, Lord, I got, I got three, four, five messages right here. It's just, I just, I, I get it. I understand. There's so much to dig into. I'm telling you, just dig into the word of God. He will reveal himself. He wants to be known. He wants to be known by you. I want to encourage you to dig. And so we're talking about faith. We're talking about faith, and it's such a big topic. And so two weeks ago, we got into uh, this principle that faith isn't just a feeling. How many of you know that you can't just be led by your feelings? Can I get, can I get anybody, shake a hand at me. If you got a temper, if, if you got a little bit of hot streak in you, amen, amen. You can't just be led by your feelings because your feelings will mislead you. Your feelings can lead you astray. Your feelings can take advantage of you. Faith isn't just a feeling. It can, uh, you can experience faith and it may feel a lot like a feeling, but faith isn't just a feeling. Faith has a foundation. This is critical. Your faith has a foundation and the foundation is the word of God. It is the work of Jesus and it is the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is the foundation of what we believe. Wade said, it's not so much about what you believe, but who you believe in. The, 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 the faith is only as strong or as powerful as the object at which you believe. Can I get an amen? And our object of our faith is strong. He is strong. And so that was two weeks ago. Last week, we talked about how faith isn't just lessons about God. It's how we live for God. And I got to be honest with you guys. This one really messed me up. All right. It really messed me up. And I've been thinking about this one sentence that Pastor Wade shared from this pulpit last week. I've been thinking about it all week. And the Lord has just been showing me more and more and more. And, and, and you know, it's one thing when, like, your boss tells you to do something. You're like, oh. Or like maybe like when your when your when your mom tells you to do something like okay yes ma'am you know or or your dad yes sir yes sir. when when God tells you to do something there is like this 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 holy agitation that you just can't keep it in and so I I gotta be honest with you I'm about to share something with you and it's probably gonna burst somebody's baby faith bubble but I gotta tell you listen to this if your faith don't work at home it don't work. If your faith don't work at home, it don't work. And so, I, this, again, this has been, ever since I heard it, it has been on my mind all week. And so what the Lord showed me was that our faith, this thing that we're here to build up and this thing that we're talking about, this thing that is so critical to our identity, our faith, faith isn't for church. Faith is not for church. Now I'm talking about the building. I'm talking about the building because we are the church. We are the temple. We are God's dwelling place. I'm not talking about that kind of church. I'm talking about church. I'm talking about these four walls. I'm talking about what we come here and do for 90 minutes between breakfast and lunch on Sundays. Faith is not for church. Faith is not for Sundays because the game isn't being played here. The game is not being played. This is not the test. Right here, right now, this is not the trial. This is not the arena. This is not the arena for our faith. Faith isn't for Sunday. 
Faith is for every day. Faith is for Monday. Faith is for Tuesday. Faith is for Wednesday. Faith is for after you go out there in the parking lot and crank your car before you go to the Cracker Barrel and say your blessing over your country fried steak. Can I get an amen for some country fried steak? That's not what your faith is for. Faith isn't for church. Faith is for life. Because life doesn't happen at church. Y'all listen to me. If you can hear me, God, I ask that you would give us ears to hear right here, right now. Life doesn't happen at church. And that's not how it's supposed to be. It's because church is supposed to happen in life. And it's in life where you need faith. It's in your house where you need faith. It's at your work where you need faith. It's in these relationships. Lord, it's in traffic. God, help me. That's where you need faith. And I'm tired of playing church, y'all. I'm tired of playing church. We come in here on Sundays, and there are people out there hurting. There are people out there lost. There are people out there dying and overdosing on drugs because they're looking for something that they can't find anywhere else but right here, and we're supposed to be the light. Happy Father's Day. But I'm serious, y'all. We're supposed to be the hands. We're supposed to be the feet. We're supposed to go out and reach what my Bible says is all the earth. All the earth is where we're supposed to take our faith. Your faith ain't for Sunday. Your faith is supposed to be lived out. It's supposed to be lived out. So today's Father's Day. It's a big day. I want to wish everyone, I want to wish everyone, listen to me, I want to wish everyone, every man, every woman, every child, young, old, somewhere in the middle, because we know that some of us are somewhere in the middle. Can I get an amen from the people in the middle? I want to wish every single person in here a happy Father's Day. And I wish you a happy Father's Day because you have a reason to celebrate today. Maybe you had an awesome dad. You can celebrate. I had an awesome dad. You can celebrate. Maybe you had an awesome dad, but he's no longer here. Maybe he's gone. Maybe he's been gone a long time. You can celebrate. You can celebrate. Maybe you had a father that hurt you. Maybe you had a father that let you down. Maybe you didn't have a dad that was around at all. I want you to hear me right now because I'm here to tell you that you can celebrate Father's Day. Listen, 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 listen. You can celebrate Father's Day no matter your experience because you can't be let down if there isn't a standard. You can't be disappointed if there isn't an example. We all have this desire. We all have this need, this need inside of us that can only be fulfilled by the love of a father. We all have this desire for a father that loves us, that cares for us, that is there for us to do life with us. I'm here to tell you today that's the reason that God made you. Every single one of us were made to do life with God. He created you for a relationship with him. You are the truest version of yourself. Everybody wants to talk about truth. Truth is a word that is currently trying to be redefined. Truth is a buzzword right now. You are the truest version of yourself when you are in relationship with God. 
He is your father. He is your heavenly father. He is your good, good father. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he is here today. So happy Father's Day. Come on. Can we give him some praise? Can we give him some praise? Oh, that's good enough for your daddy. But that ain't good enough for my daddy, my heavenly father, my Abba father. Hallelujah. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Father's Day is a special day. It's a special day for me because uh, about seven years ago, I became a father. And uh, yeah, you can clap. Hey, man, I appreciate that. My, I got my oldest. Uh, she, uh, she turned seven next month. So it was seven years ago that I became a father. And as time has passed, I have become a father again and again and again. And uh, why are you laughing? Hey, man, that's just, I like to tell people I got more blessings than I got bedrooms. You know what I'm saying? Hey, that's just a testimony of faithfulness. It's a testimony of faithfulness. And faithfulness always leads to fruitfulness. Hey, listen, I'm just trying to do the Lord's work. He said, be fruitful and multiply. I got to leave that alone. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting a cue from over here to keep it moving. But today is, um, today's a special day. It's Father's Day. And, um, you know, I don't know if my dad's here or not. He may be tuning in online. I told my dad, I said, hey, man, I want you to come. To, I want you to come to church on Sunday and, you know, we can go out to eat afterwards. And he was like, oh, OK, cool, cool, cool. I'll be there. But I'm going to go to my church first. And I can respect that. I can appreciate that. He's like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to my church. I'll come and visit you after I go to my house. And listen, if you're visiting here today, that's cool. I want to encourage you to get plugged in. I want to get you to plugged in anywhere you can because I can tell you from firsthand experience that getting in the house of God has the ability and the power to change your life. It'll change the way you think. It'll change the way you act. It'll change the way you talk. It can change your life. That's the church that I'm talking about. That's what our faith is for. And so anyway, my dad said he might come. He said, I'll see you later. But I'm proud to say I got an awesome dad. I do, man. I do. I do. And I I was sitting down last night preparing for this message because I know that the reality is Father's Day can be hard. I'm not here to sound insensitive. And if you've heard that, please know that that's not the intent. I'm just trying to speak some faith into what you can have. But I sat down last night and I tried to think about all the times that I was let down or disappointed or hurt by my dad. And y'all, I legitimately could not think of a single time. And I know that that might not be your situation, but I want you to tell me, I I want you to listen to me. I tried to remember in my mind all the times my dad let me down. And there were times that I was upset. There were times that it was hard. There were times that I didn't really like what we were doing in the moment. But the word says no discipline at the time seems pleasant. But at the, in due time, can you say due time? In due time, it will, re, it will produce a harvest. And so I was thinking about all the times that my dad let me down, and I couldn't think of one. But then I remembered this one time. There was this one time. I remembered one thing. When I was young, and I'm talking about, I don't remember how how. how old I was, but I was young. I was innocent. I was naive. I didn't know any better. And my dad, my wonderful dad, my sweet and kind, awesome dad indoctrinated me 
against my better judgment to be an Auburn football fan. Can you believe that? Can you believe that my father would do something like that to an innocent child? Only thing worse than that would be a Florida fan. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Always a crowd favorite. But how many of you know that God can redeem anything because his blood ran red and black for me? Go dogs. Amen. Not a lot of y'all barking right now. But in all seriousness, listen, listen. <laughs> I told somebody in the, audio, in, in the, in the uh, lobby earlier that it ain't a three-peat, it's a four-peat. That's for you, Pete. That's for you, Papa Pete. In all seriousness, y'all, I sat down last night, and I was trying to think about my dad and growing up um, with my dad around, and immediately there were two quotes that came to mind. And my dad, he, he, was, he was full of these things, right? But there was these two things that came to mind. And y'all, if he said them one time to me, he said them a thousand times. I'm talking about over and over and over and over. And at the time, I didn't really understand what he was doing. But he would always say these two quotes, and it goes like this. He would say, number one, son, if you take care of your work, your work will take care of you. And then he would always follow it up with like this. And don't forget that the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. And I didn't grow up in an overly churchy house. We went to church. I went to youth group. I even put on a robe and carried a candlestick for, for the acolyte. Can I, get, can, I get a, can I get an amen for any of the acolytes in the house? Come on, man, the acolyte. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. Don't know if it's a coat or a dress, but we're carrying a, piece, we're carrying a candlestick. And so what I didn't realize was, at the time, my dad was making all these deposits. He was making all these deposits. He was planting seeds in me. He was planting two seeds, seeds of faith and seeds of work. He was planting seeds of belief, and he was planting seeds of action. He was planting seeds of hope, and he was planting seeds of movement. He was planting seeds of confidence, And he was planting seeds of faithfulness. And it's in James chapter 2 that the author is trying to teach us about these two things. It's faith and works. And for too long, there has been this misunderstanding or this misconception about faith and works are unrelated. They are not independent of each other. In fact, they are actually interdependent on each other. That means that one begets the other. Your faith begets your works and your works begets your faith. And they are not simply only related, they're correlated. They're correlated. And correlated means that one affects the other and it depends on the other. So it's in this tension in the text that I want us to consider today. And as I mentioned earlier, dig in. Digging something that I've learned over the past um, year or so is that there are all these different translations in the Bible. There are all these different translations in the Bible. All right, and so there are three main types of translations. You've got uh, translations that are word for word. There are there are translations that are word for word. There are translations that are thought for thought. A little different. And then there is a translation <laughs> that is paraphrased. And that's the message. And for so long, y'all, I didn't give the message translations credit. I'll be honest with you. I was judgmental over God's word. Forgive me, Lord. Don't strike me down right now. That wouldn't go well. 
But there are translations. And I want to encourage you, when you're reading God's word, cross-reference translations. If you're reading it in ESV, check it out in NIT. Or if you're reading it in NLT, check it out in the Amplified Version. I'm a big fan of the Amplified Version. But last night, I was reading this scripture, James 2. And I cross-referenced it in the message version. And y'all, <laughs> y'all, it messed me up. So I want to read it to you out of the message version. James asks, In chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, this is the message translation. He says, Dear friends, do you think that you will get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come up on an old friend dressed in rags, half-starved, and you say, Good morning, friend! Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious? This is what messed me up right here. Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? Outrageous nonsense. I want to talk about something uh, that I've heard called Christianese. Anybody ever heard this term, Christianese? You know how when you come to church and you're in the building, your language talks, your, your, your language changes, you go to see somebody and say, hey, man, good to see you. How you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Blessed and highly favored, brother. How are you? Or you see somebody, man, I haven't seen you in a long time. How you been? Oh, I'm better than I deserve. Well, no kidding. We know that. But we've got this, we, 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 put on this, we put on this charade or this masquerade and our, and our language changes and we try to like be this thing that we're not really ever supposed to be. It changes the way we talk. It changes the way we act. And what it does is it misrepresents who we are called to be. It is, it is outrageous nonsense. God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense. And I just think about this story, right? I've moved around a lot. I grew up in Thomasville, and I wound up in Tallahassee, but I moved around a lot. I, I, I've lived in cities. I've, I've lived outside of the country. I, I lived in Jacksonville, Florida. I've lived in Atlanta, Georgia. I hope I never go back there again. I've lived in Nashville, Tennessee. I lived in the Virgin Islands. I was down there working. I was, I was, I was working. What, what Wade and Cynthia are doing today when they get off the boat and they go and hang out with somebody, that was my job. I would go take the people that would dock on the cruise ship out for a little swim with the pigs. It was a good job. It was a good job. But I cannot imagine running into an old friend, somebody that I knew, somebody that I cared about, somebody that I loved, somebody that I had relationship with, and seeing them struggling. What looks like on death's doorstep, half clothed, half starved, and just telling them, be blessed, brother. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come to our small group on Wednesday night. You'll get fed by the word of the Lord. What good does that do? What good does that do for somebody that you care about? You would talk like that to somebody that you don't care about because you don't want to invest in them. You really don't want to give to them. You really don't want to do the work to actually reach them. And that's who we're called to be. 
We're called to be the hands. What do hands do? They reach. We're called to be the feet. What do feet do? They go. If all you know are these words, but you don't do anything with them, it is dead and useless. And this house, y'all, we are called to be a beacon. We are called to be a light. There are people in this city that are searching, that are hurting, and the only Bible that they may ever read will be you. Because they see you at work. They see you at school. They see you in traffic. They see you at the grocery store. How many of you know you run into somebody at the grocery store and you're like, man, I haven't even brushed my teeth this morning. I'm a, I, listen, I'm a better believer after I brush my teeth. But that's, that's faith. That's the church. That's what it's for. It's for out there. It ain't for in here. We got to get this, y'all. We got to cut this Christianese nonsense, outrageous nonsense out. We got to cut it out. And I'm all about living by faith, and I'm all about being spiritual. As a matter of fact, my prayers recently have been, God, take me to the next level of spirituality. I want to grow in my spirituality. Don't misconstrue what I'm saying. Grow in your spirituality. But living by faith while it is spiritual, it always produces practical results. And that's what I want to talk about today. Today, I need you to know, write this point down. Faith is not a wish list. Faith is a work order. Who's ever worked in a factory? Huh? Can I get a show of hands? Who's ever, who's ever worked? Blue collar. Blue collar work. You know what a work order is. When a work order comes, it's time to lace them up. It's time to strap them up. It's time to put your gloves on because it might get dirty. That's what your faith is for. Your faith is not for a wish list. Be clothed. Be fed with the Holy Spirit, dear brother. Your faith is not a wish list. Your faith is a work order. It requires work. It requires effort. It requires sacrifice. It requires practical. Somebody say practical. Practical results. We are spiritual beings. This is true. And that's where our faith comes in. Because faith is a spiritual thing. But sometimes I've experienced in my own life that we can get caught up in being so spiritual that we lose practical application. I'm all for going deep spiritually. I'm all for going deep spiritually. But at the same time, we've got to go deep practically. You're telling me that you've been coming to church for eight and a half years, and you come and you sit here and you listen to the Word of God every other Sunday. I threw that in for some of y'all because I know perfect attendance is really hard. You come in here every other Sunday and you ain't served not one time? Not one time? And I can say, listen, I can say this because one time I did serve any kids. It was one time. It was one time, and it was, it, was, it, was, it was a couple falls ago, and I may or may not have been uh, streaming a Saints game because I had Jameis Winston on my fantasy team, and he let me down that day, but I was serving any kids. I was there. I went. My faith had action that day. It might have been distracted, but it had action. And so I'm talking about practical, guys. I'm talking about practical. We can't just have these words. We can't just have God talk. We got to have God acts. 
And the thing that really got me is when I was looking at Jesus. Jesus is our example. How many of you know that Jesus is our example? I was looking at some things that Jesus did, these miracles, right? These, Jesus, these, these miracles that Jesus performed, they had big faith moments. Big faith moments. You talk about walking on water? Y'all, that takes some big faith. Let me hear you say big faith. It takes big faith. The first one, water into wine. Big faith. It's water, y'all. It's water. And they're talking about wine. It's water. But every single miracle, not only did it require big faith, but it also required practical participation. I need somebody to get this. It is practical participation. It does not take an extra measure of faith to show up and sweep. It does not take any extra measure of faith to show up early and fill the coffee pots. It does not take any extra measure of faith to give. You don't want to show up? That's fine. At least give. That's the least you can do. Money? Money? We're talking about money? You'd be coming here, and that's all you give is money? You don't give time? You don't give talent? Y'all, we're talking about practical applications. Give. Serve. This is what I saw. I was looking at one. It's a famous one. The one where the, uh, the dudes let the, let the other dude down on the mat, the paralyzed dude. You know what I'm saying? I'm, 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 you can tell I'm a real Bible scholar. The one dude with the other dudes that let, let the dude down. It, it, it's in Luke 5. I was reading, it's, actually, it's in Matthew, but it's also in, in Luke. I was looking at it last night, cross-referencing. And in Luke 5, 17 through 20, I want to just look at this right here because it showed me that big faith is required, but at the same time, Practical participation is not an option. So check this out. Luke 5, 17 through 20. It says, One day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and some teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. Time out. The Christianese people were real close. That's who this is. They had all the talk. They had all the talk, and they were real close by. While Jesus was teaching, they were sitting nearby, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Jesus did not do anything that was outside of the will of the Father. And so many times, we're out and about, we're going and we're doing, and then in hindsight, we're saying, Lord, will you bless it? Lord, I'm going over here, I'm doing this thing, can you help me out? I'm over here, I'm running into some hardships, and I don't know what I'm doing now. Now I need you. Jesus, even Jesus, who had all authority, all power, all dominion, he even submitted to the Lord's power. He was, it says that the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. He's healing everybody. You can't hear, plow. You can't speak, plow. And so these guys, they come and they're carrying this paralyzed man on a mat. Have you ever had to carry someone? Y'all, last year at camp, shout out, shout out youth camp. Lil, if you miss youth camp this year, you got to get your kids in youth camp next year. I went to youth camp last year, and I forgot how old my hamstrings were. Y'all, we were out there playing kiddie pool kickball, and I felt the Holy Ghost catch me, and I went down. But thank the Lord I had some friends. I had some friends came by, picked me up, carried me over to the nurse's tent so I could get some ice for my boo-boo. 
I'm telling y'all, man, it's practical. It's practical. You want to serve somebody? It's practical. And so these guys, they're carrying this paralyzed man. They're carrying their friend. You know they had a relationship with him. They wouldn't go and find him if they didn't care about him. Right? So Jesus' fame is spreading. He's doing all these miracles. He's doing all these healings. And they think, oh, man, this might be the day. That's where your faith comes in. You got to believe. You got to be looking for Jesus. And you got to be watching Jesus. And you got to be observing Jesus and seeing what Jesus is doing. And then your hope rises up. Your faith rises up. Your belief rises up. And it says, oh, this might be the day. This might be the day. I got to go get my buddy. I got to go get Matt. That was a joke. I got to go get my buddy Matt. And I got to pick him up. You know what's funny about the name Matthew? Nobody ever shortens it to Thew. They just call him Matt. I got a buddy named Matt. That was for you, Matt. And so they go get him, and they pick him up, and they carry him over to Jesus because they believe. If we can get into Jesus, he can experience a miracle too. They're believing for it. And so they get there, and in verse 19 it says, they couldn't reach Jesus because of the crowd. Your faith will be tested. Your faith will be tested. But it ain't because Jesus doesn't want to reach you. It ain't because Jesus wants to serve you. Jesus is there. The miracle was already done. His will, thy will be done, it's already done. But they ran into some adversity. And this is the place, y'all listen, this is the place where the talk does you no good. This is where the Christianese falls flat. And so they go to Jesus and they see the crowd. And then they think, there's two options. We can experience a miracle today for our buddy Matt or we can turn around and go back. And it's in this place where the practicality of your work, the practicality of your good deeds has got to come and accompany with, partner with, in unison with your faith. It's got to activate. So they went up to the roof and they took off some tiles. Y'all, I love to read the Bible, but I also love to see what the Bible don't say. It don't say nowhere that while they were carrying this dude that they brought a ladder. It don't even say that the house had steps. They thought they were going to carry this guy up to the feet of Jesus, and Jesus was going to do what he do. But then they run into the crowd, and there's no way to get in. And it's like, well, let's just try the roof. Let's try the roof. They saw where nobody else was. When you see a problem at church, it might be because you're the solution. If nobody else is there, that just might be the place that God is calling you up to because nobody else has been there. He's got it reserved for you. That roof, that day, it was reserved for them. Nobody else was there. Jesus already knew that's where they were going. They didn't know. They didn't know that they would wind up on the roof that day. But it was their faith that led them, and it was their practicality that made them rise up to where Jesus could send them a miracle. So they went up to the roof, and they ripped off the roof, 
And then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd. How many of you know that people are watching? They're looking, man. They're looking everywhere. They're looking on their phones. They're looking at church. They're looking at work. They're looking in the world. They're looking everywhere. And they lowered him down right in front of the crowd. Right in front of Jesus. Verse 20. This is what got me. Seeing their faith. Whose faith? Seeing their faith. He didn't see their words. He didn't see their thoughts. He didn't see their plans. He saw their faith. Jesus said to the young man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. Faith without action isn't really faith. We can fall into the trap of opinions. Come on now. We can have opinions about faith. But without action, it's useless. So I need you to know this. There are two components to your faith. Acknowledgement. That's good. You need to acknowledge because even the demons do. But it can't just be only acknowledgement. There's got to be action. Your faith has got to have action. Because many people acknowledge the fact that they have faith in God. But not many people have enough faith that called them into action with God. And your acknowledgement begets your action. I believe the Bible, so I do what it says. I trust Jesus, so I follow him. I'm not saying that what you believe doesn't matter. It matters. It matters what you believe. But what you do with what you believe, that matters even more. And you better believe it. Because it takes work to believe God. The most, the most audacious, wild prayer that you can pray is, God, use me. God, your plans. God, your will. That's going to take some work on your part. Trust me. I know. But believing God, y'all, believing God works believe in God works. And that's what I want you to understand today. You can have a faith that works. You can. You can have faith, but you can have faith that works too. And if we as a church, if we can get this, if we can get to a place where our faith works, y'all, the Bible says, no eye has seen no mind can comprehend. But it takes faith that partners with works. So you may be asking today, how do I get faith that works? I'm glad you asked that. The first thing you got to do is you got to believe. Y'all, don't miss the faith component. Faith comes first. 
You have to believe in God that God does work. What He says is true. What He promised will come to pass. The miracles that we read about weren't just in the past. That power is alive and we can experience it right here, right now, today, because we need it. you got to believe that God works. Romans 8.28 says it like this, And we know that God in all things, say all things, all things God works for the good of those that are called to His purpose. God works. God works. But you got to believe it. God works. Philippians 2.13 For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It didn't say to think what pleases him. It didn't say to say what pleases him. It says to do. Y'all, we are called to be doers, not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. You got to believe. You got to believe. You got to believe that God works. This is how you get a faith that works. First, believe that God works. But secondly, you got to have a shift. It's not only about God you got to believe that we were created to work. Church is not a sideline spectator sport. Y'all, we are called to work. Work is hard. Work is sweat. But just because it's hard, that that don't mean that it's bad. Can I get an amen? Just because it requires work, that don't mean that it's bad. Ephesians says it like this, Ephesians 2. 8 through 10, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Through faith. It takes faith, y'all. It's by grace that you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. This is where we get it messed up. This is where we get it twisted. It's not so that you can boast. Did you know that your faith isn't for you? The guys that were carrying the guy on the mat, their faith wasn't for them. Your faith, it's for somebody else. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared for us in advance to do. I want you to say this. Say, I have work to do. Say it again. Say, I have work to do. The good news is God works. And the good news is you were created to do good work. You don't believe me? I got proof. Nothing has been done that is ever greater than the work that Jesus did on the cross. He had the faith. He had to faith. He had the faith to go and do the work. And his faith, it wasn't for him. It was for you and me. This is what I'm talking about, y'all. Our faith requires action. Our faith requires sacrifice. Because Jesus is dead. The good news is, you got access. The good news is, you're going to have an opportunity in a minute to experience the work 
that Jesus did for you because it was the greatest work that was ever done. And if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I've got good news for you. Today's your day. You know who you are. The Lord's been calling you. He's been saying, it's time to get off the sidelines. It's time to get in the game. I want everybody to stand to your feet. Close your eyes and just picture Jesus. Maybe this is the first time you've ever done this. That's okay. Maybe it's a recommitment. Well, that's okay too. Heaven rejoices when one that is lost comes home. And at Emerge Church, we don't do things alone. We're a family. So I want everyone under the sound of my voice to repeat after me for those who are coming for the first time and for those who are given a renewal and a commitment of their faith so that they can partner with works. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to the cross to pay a debt so that I would be forgiven, so that I would be reunited with you for eternity in heaven. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart. I ask you to come in and be my Lord and Savior. I ask this in the name of God the Father, in Jesus the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen, and amen. Come on, give it up. That's what it's all about, y'all.